Hello and welcome to my channel, Breadcrumbs. Um, I really appreciate you listening and taking the time to listen to my podcast. Um, and I'm your host, Ashley, and um, we're talking a little bit more about narcissism in this episode. Um, I kind of went into some, you know, personal experiences and things that I've dealt with on um, narcissism and being an empath and um if you really want to know the signs of narcissism, I would definitely say instead of just listening to my experiences, also research it on the internet. There's plenty of great websites and plenty of great places. Google is a great way to start, um, a great place to start. Just go on there, Google signs of a narcissist. You'll come up with tons and tons of good, valuable information there. Um, I actually just pinpointed one that I think was... Um, a good one um and yeah there's like some ad playing right now so you're hearing that oh my gosh the internet has changed so much just pop-ups and crazy things that just come up out of nowhere but um and I should have a good like malware protection on here but I don't it's actually not my computer it's my best friend's so um anyway I found one that kind of embodies all of them and I can actually go through like a quick um explanation of each one um some of them are a little bit more detailed and um I would just recommend reading as much as you can about narcissism, especially, especially if you are an empath. Please, please keep narcissists out of your life because um, if you watch True Bloods, I don't know if you watch True Blood, but it is one of my favorite shows. I'm currently on season seven right now because I'm binge watching it. Um, and you would would be sooky and they would be vampires like your blood once they get a taste of your blood there's just no stopping them they will do anything and everything they can to have more and suck you dry and um so like you're the fairy and they're vampires that's how that's how it plays out with narcissists and empaths um like i said narcissists in some someone else's life um aren't as dangerous as with an empath um, just because some most people they have those tendencies to say no you're not going to take advantage of me I'm not going to let you take advantage of me um, empaths don't usually have that capability of setting those boundaries but I'm going to teach you how if you are an empath how to set those boundaries and how to um look at the red flags and signs right away um I recommend that the second you see a red flag, you don't question it. Um, as empaths, we do question it and we're like, oh, maybe this person is having a bad day. Maybe this isn't really the true them. Listen, if they are embodying the characteristics of a narcissist, don't give it a second thought. The worst thing is that they're not a narcissist and you just took someone out of your life that, um, you know, it, that wouldn't have affected your life plus or minus anyway. Um, we feel strong connections to narcissists because of their ability to manipulate. But we have to understand that those connections are based on false information. They're based on their um, telling us what we want to hear. So 
yes, we're going to feel strongly about severing that connection and be like, oh, maybe I shouldn't, but you definitely should. Just delete them out of your life and forget about it. It's that simple. Um, if, you've, if you know someone really, really well and they embody these characteristics, get them out of your life. If you meet someone upon first meeting them, um, this is what I have a hard time doing. I have a hard time initially saying, okay, this person's a narcissist, maybe I shouldn't talk to them. And that's because I always try to give people a chance and I'm like, well, this is the first impression and it's a bad one, but maybe it's just a bad day for them. And I just have to learn, no, I'm not going to put up with this. I'm not going to let this person in my life because if this is their first impression, then usually... Typically, people try to put on the best first impression possible. So if this is the first impression, then what else is behind that? Because there's a lot worse if they think that's their best impression. Um, and so we're going to start talking about all the things that embody a narcissist. So um, I would say that a person, in order for a person to be a narcissist, like I said, um, they embody a lot of these characteristics at once. The most important one being that they don't have empathy for others. Um, if somebody has a couple of these, it doesn't make them a narcissist. It just puts them on that spectrum, just like you would be on that spectrum. Um, some people are closer to empath and some people are closer to narcissist, but it doesn't make them a full-blown empath or narcissist. Um, they would have to really evaluate their life to, to find out if they're full-blown either either or. And it's very rare to find either either or. Narcissists typically um, are more common than empaths. But still, not as common as you would think unless you're an empath and then literally they swarm you. Like, you're like, where did all these narcissists come out of the woodwork for? Like, where did they come from? And it's because you're sicky and... Your blood is like sunlight, the taste of sunlight to them. And you taste like summer and flowers and they can't get enough. And they're a vampire and they will suck you dry. So, um, it's not necessarily like, um, there's a hierarchy, I guess, of narcissism. And, um, I guess you know, even in, within being a full-blown narcissist, there's different types of narcissists, just like there's different types of empaths. You can't just put someone in a category and just be like, okay, this is, this person is this type. So there's a hierarchy of narcissism and then there's a hierarchy of empaths. Um, and then there are, you know, people like me who don't even follow, fall into a specific category whatsoever. I think I'm just like an alien. Sometimes i really feel like it um just because of the way I view the world and I just don't meet many people who view it the same um so actually I don't think I'm an alien just so you know I was just kidding but that's how I feel sometimes I feel very alienated from this world so um people who are narcissists don't necessarily uh think that they're the best and the most awesome person like they they have an arrogance but it doesn't necessarily mean that they're arrogant what I mean by that is um I'll give you an example there is a woman who 
um, pretended that she had a cancer and she lied about it um, manipulated people into having feeling sorry for her and um, she was full-blown narcissist um, she wanted the control of um, the people so like somebody would be having a birthday event or something like happy and they would be enjoying themselves and she would call them up and say oh my god I'm so sick from the chemo I just need you I just need you right now and take them away from their wonderful event and um, control them into basically um, contributing sympathy and um, you know their their time on the phone or in person to take care of them um, it's a control thing the most um, important thing about a narcissist I would say is the control factor they have to be in complete control and it doesn't necessarily mean that they have they are boisterous about it they can be in control from a vulnerable position just not actually being vulnerable they can pretend to be vulnerable and not actually be vulnerable and still control situations manipulations um they're very very manipulative and so good at it um so there's different types of narcissists some that you would never even suspect as a narcissist whatsoever but you have to um you have to really delve deep into it and try to find out if you're being played or not. So, um, one is uh, superiority and entitlement. That's on the list of the ones that I brought up. And the website that I'm um, looking at is mindbodygreen.com slash articles slash 14 dash signs dash of dash narcissism. And um, when I googled it, it was one of the ones that came up. But I... Um, I was looking for something that I could run through and not have like, it just has like a brief paragraph on each one. So that way I can kind of like go through it with you on my podcast and, um, and not have to like read it, but I can just like explain each one a little bit to you. Um, because I know it all too well. <laughs> um, so I think that, um, the superiority and entitlement is um, not always present in every narcissist. I mean, it's there, but sometimes in the ones that pretend, the undercover ones, um, they pretend to be vulnerable, so you won't recognize that right away. Um, but they do have that sense of superior, superiority and entitlement, um, whether it's they're racist or they um, don't like a certain stereotype of people, like, for instance, my ex had a really pro huge problem with people who were overweight, which is strange because the narcissist that I met recently online um, thought that I was catfishing him by being overweight. So it's it's weird, but that they're similar in that way. But um, they they have to feel all the time like they are in control and that's where they derive their superiority from so whether or not they are um outward about it and say like i am the literal best or if they are just always crying and needing attention um and able to control people with their manipulations um 
still able to pull people from whatever they're doing and be able to control them, knowing that they have that control and kind of like laughing about it in their own mind. Like the woman who, um, there was another, uh, there's many, many instances of these vulnerable narcissists, by the way, um, not just in like abusive relationships, but um, a lot of times there are a lot of women who um, are the vulnerable narcissist, the undercover narcissist. And um, there was a woman who um, was an undercover narcissist and she um, went online and um, was portraying someone who was pregnant and that she was going to give her baby up for adoption and she met a family oh many many families she she actually like kind of catfished a lot of families into thinking that they were going to have her baby and she went through the whole supposed pregnancy not being pregnant she actually couldn't have kids um that might have been actually a reason for her uh, doing this is because the insecurity of not having kids but also um her need for control and her need for um, the attention that she would be getting from um, these people. So knowing that she's being very deceptive, knowing that she's deceiving these people on a very deep level, she let them fall into this fantasy that she created of they're going to have this baby it's a girl or it's a boy some of the people she told it was a boy some of the people she told it was a girl I don't know um if it was a game to her and typically most things most manipulations are a game to narcissists it's a it's a game um this person was probably also sociopath um Typically, narcissism and sociopathy kind of run hand in hand. Not necessarily does one have to be one to be the other. And not necessarily is a narcissist always a, a sociopath and a sociopath always a narcissist. Well, no, a sociopath is always a narcissist, but not necessarily a narcissist is always a sociopath. Sorry if I confused you there. Um, but um, a sociopath is somebody who will... Uh, do things that hurt other people in, in mainly like um, break the law and cross boundaries, um, extreme boundaries without a question of consequence. Um, some narcissists will consider the consequences and say like, yeah, it wouldn't hurt me if I hurt this person, but I'll go to jail and I don't want to end up in jail. So not necessarily will all narcissists be a sociopath, but sociopaths have no no concept of consequence. They don't care about consequence. Um, they run from consequence. Like the, Obviously, they don't want to go to jail, but it won't stop them from committing an illegal act um, and hurting somebody. Um, so uh, the case of the woman who was pretending to be pregnant and then she even pretended to have this baby that she never had I mean she was going all out like she had ultrasound pictures she was sending them she was um helping them figure out names for the baby she came up with this huge backstory that um she had been raped so there was even like a um a story that 
people were trying to, you know, comfort her through, and just all these things were not true at all, and she was just a narcissist that was insecure and able to create this facade, this fake world that she had all this control in. So control is the main thing of a narcissist. Narcissists have victims because they have to have victims to control. And all narcissists will have victims, um, whether it's a relationship, um, friendship, even your a narcissist will um, sometimes even choose their children as victims. Um, it's whatever person that they find vulnerable. And a lot of times their vulnerabilities come from their insecurities, um, straight from. Mine was... Um, was in a relationship sense because that person believed that they, you know, they weren't attractive and and they had all these insecurities about themselves being alone and that type of thing. But um, narcissists can can be in any type of relationship. It doesn't have to be a um, significant other. Like I said, it can be your children. Um, a child to a sibling it could be uh or not even child like narcissism is is not common but it is found it also um it is exhibited and the signs are exhibited in children as well um be, so they kind of exhibit that their whole life but adults um to their siblings as well like it's whatever um relationship even to strangers like this woman was catfishing all these families and she had control over them they were her victims a narcissist will always have a victim because they have to have control over um something they could she was a hermit like she didn't leave her house um her world of control lied in the relationships that she had with these people um she did end up meeting some of them um at some point in her pregnancy her supposed fake pregnancy but um but it was it was still um an amount of control and she appeared to be a very sweet nice loving kind person uh, so you just can't really judge right away meeting people like kind people that they are um not narcissistic you can't meet someone say oh this person was really kind and nice to me they're not a narcissist you have to keep continuing to evaluate um once you realize that they are get them out of your life um so the next one is exaggerated need for attention and validation um as is the case with my ex constantly needed attention constantly needed constantly needed validation in very physical sense um and if they didn't get that um it would there would be retaliation involved there would be some sort of um getting back at me especially if that person felt offended even if i didn't do anything to offend them um there was times when you know, I was really tired and I didn't want to be affectionate. I was just tired or I wasn't feeling well, even when I was like extremely sick and I, I did, wasn't feeling well. And, um, this person was like, uh, are you not attracted to me? Do you not want me? Like, I'm like, um, 
well, nothing's changed since, like, the other day when I was feeling well and everything was affectionate. And now, um, I'm not feeling well. That doesn't mean that I don't want to be with you. It just means I'm not feeling well and I'm coughing up my lungs. So kissing is probably not something I want to do right now or anything further. Um, but this person took that as, like, they were offended. And I got retaliated against, um, because of that. My low blows, um, horrible, um, being called horrible names and things like that because I didn't get what they want. And I kind of think of it as like a two-year-old throwing a temper tantrum. Like when my child was two and throwing a temper tantrum, um, it didn't matter if they wanted that toy. They will say anything and everything they can. They hate you. You're the worst mother ever. And you're like, it's over a toy. Like really. But that's, you know, they stomp their feet and cry and scream and, and just throw a hissy fit. And that's, you know, what a narcissist does. Um, in the case of the woman that needed attention and validation for um, her fake baby that she was giving up for adoption, um, it was literally something that she, you know, was using to control other people. And the attention and validation was her motivation for uh, continuing this facade and this fake story um I don't know if you guys saw it it was on like one of those daytime television talk shows um but it was very like mind-blowing thing to watch somebody be able to um portray themselves into such a detailed fantasy and have other people believe this fantasy um we were talking about catfishing earlier, and some people actually uh, do the same thing with like, this detailed fantasy of, you know, they're a model or this, that, and the other, and they make up this persona that's not real, and that's another, you know, way that they're manipulating people and getting attention and validation. Um, the sad thing is they're not getting validation for who they truly are because the person's saying, oh, you're beautiful, and they're inside taking that in but it's empty because they're not actually being called beautiful they're calling a model that they pulled picture off of beautiful and um they're not actually getting that real validation that they could get if they just put themselves out there um there's somebody for everybody i keep saying that but i believe that don't believe me watch jerry springer <laughs> so um they're very self-absorbed and they um their insecures, their insecurities, um, make them have very, very fragile egos, and they, they can be offended quite easily, um, no matter how much attention you give a narcissist, they're always going to want more, and that, that's why they go for empaths, because an empath will keep giving, and giving, and giving, and giving, and most, where most people would stop and draw boundaries, an empath will say, here, here, here's more, here's more, here's more. And they'll constantly uh, feed that need for attention and validation. And um, they'll keep doing it till the person is dead. And, um, I mean, those are the cases where a um, husband and wife um, have been together for so many years that the 
um, husband or wife, whichever one is the narcissist, because it can be either male or female. It doesn't discriminate. There's empathic men, empathic women, narcissistic men, narcissistic women, and anywhere in between on that scale, all different types. So, um, we'll even say that it's the woman that's the narcissist in this situation. And, um, they've been together for many, many years, and then the, um, the narcissist isn't able to, um, get that, that attention and validation anymore because the person is too old and kind of just, like, not able to provide that anymore. Um, so how they end up getting attention and validation is poisoning their husband and, um, then when their husband dies, not only do they get the life insurance or whatever, um, they get all the family members saying, I'm so sorry for your loss, and, and that's another, um, way that they're feeding their attention and validation, and they ride that pony as long as they can, because, uh, then they have to either start all over with somebody else, another victim, um, or, they know that they're really close to the end of their life and you know they know that they can get that attention validation for their lost mate um for the rest of their life so um and that that is you know what you see on those shows where it's like um the crime shows you know i can't remember like on escape i watch that sometimes and like it's it's very apparent that the person who poisons the other person or kills their spouse after so many years is a narcissist and they're trying to feed that need and they're not getting what they want from their spouse because they're just too old to give it um or their spouse is actually at that point where they're like you know what i'm gonna leave because i'm too old to be putting up with this and then that's when the narcissist is like no gain that control they always have to have control it's like an integral part of who they are um and so that is their exaggerated need for attention and validation another sign is perfectionism um narcissists have an extremely high need for everything to be perfect um they don't look at themselves in um in like criticize themselves they, um, just expect other people to measure up, and if they don't measure up, then they magnify those faults to the fullest, and one thing that I noticed about a narcissist is that they will magnify the faults in someone else that they have in themselves, um, if somebody is, um, like, in a, I'll give my personal example in my old relationship because that is where most of my experience with narcissism comes from. Um, so the, um, the whole thing with my ex, it was that, um, I needed to be like the perfect wife, the perfect mother, the perfect everything. And, um, if I did anything that faltered or would you know fall short it was Mm -hmm. magnified on a large scale if I did anything where I thought of myself instead of someone else which was very rare um because 
me being an empath, I always think about other people. But um, say I made a decision that this person considered to be a selfish decision. I wanted to um, take a break because I just I've been you know doing everything for everyone and I just wanted to have some peace and quiet and um, you know go out with a friend or something it would be turned around on me and say you don't care about your kids you don't care about me you're you're a partier and you know just like an exaggeration of what I'm really doing which is like going out with a friend and maybe a group of girls or something for a couple hours and instead it would be turned around into this like I'm a horrible example of a wife and mother and I don't care about my kids and I don't um I don't deserve my husband and yet this person would be gone with his friends quite often um leave me alone to take care of the kids um, and go out and party and do the things that he was projecting on me when I wouldn't even drink when I went out, um, and not because I'm against drinking and because of my Christian beliefs. Um, I actually, as a Christian, I don't believe that alcohol is banned by God. I don't. Um, that's a discussion we can have at a later time, but I, um, I actually, um, I just become violently sick when I have alcohol in my system, so I just prefer not to drink it because it makes me violently sick. And I'm not talking about, like, drinking and to get plastered or drunk or anything. I'm talking about, like, a couple of shots, and I am in the bathroom for the next 12 hours. I'm not even kidding. Throwing up. Um, it's just really bad. So, um, he would be out, like, drinking and partying, and... I was always very understanding, like, when he wanted to go out with his friends, because I didn't want to be that wife that was like, oh, you can't go out, you can't go out. But he was that husband that was like, you can't go out, you can't go out. So mm -hmm. it was it was very hard because I wanted to give him all the things that he wanted, but um, he wasn't ever giving me, feeding my needs and giving me anything I wanted. Um, but in that situation that I was in with him, um, he projected things onto me that he was doing himself. He would can He would always be um paranoid that I was cheating and at the time like he was the one doing the cheating so when a narcissist projects something onto somebody else typically it's the problem that they have with themselves and the fault that they find in themselves um being accusatory of things usually they're accusing the other person of things that they are capable of or even doing at that time um so that's that's important to um, recognize as one of the signs. Um, no one's perfect. And a narcissist will not accept anything below perfection because they want to constantly complain about things. I mean, um, they, their expectations are so high that no one can match that. And um, just they're always dissatisfied with everything. They have a problem with everyone. And it's literally like you can name somebody and then they're like, oh, I don't like that person. I'm like, why? Oh, I just have a big problem with that person. That person talks too much or that person this. And, and it's not just a few people. You'll notice that a narcissist will literally have something bad to say about everyone when 
an empath like me has literally something good to say about everyone. Um, so they're dissatisfied a lot. They complain a lot. Um, they have a problem with authority because of the, the need for control, which is the next um, sign, the great need for control. Um, and like I said, they can control things in an undercover way um, and control people's emotions by manipulations, or they can try to control people by being um, outwardly intimidating. And um, my ex tried it that way first, but then it, I think it's easier to stand up to someone who's outwardly intimidating. Um, somebody who is physically intimidating to you, I think it's a lot easier to stand up to. It takes a while, like it took me a long time, but I was able to do that. And then in that, that took nine years for me to stand up and be like, um, I'm not gonna have you boss me around and beat on me and use me as your punching bag anymore. Um, it was harder even the, like after that, when he quit physically abusing me, he was still emotionally abusing me. When he, he quit cheating and he quit doing the things that were outwardly apparent um, because he knew that he would lose control. And like I said, it's about the control. He knew that he would lose the control if he continued that behavior. Um, if he put his hands on me, then I could prove it. There would be bruises, there would be actual things. And, and other people that he was trying to convince and rally against me would be like, hold up. Like, if he's beating you, we're on your side. If there's proof, we're on your side. And um, so they, um, he specifically quit doing that because he lost his control in the physical uh, manifestation of his anger. So he found other ways to retaliate against me. And he was smart about it from the beginning. He never like punched me in my face and things like that. The bruises would not be in apparent places, but just to have them, I would, I stood up to him and I was like, look, I'm, I'm going to go to a battered woman shelter and they'll take me because of this. And, um, and so he lost that, he lost that control very quickly because I could bring other people in and they could see the physical signs. Um, so he continued on in in an undercover sense and he was always undercover but um even more so his manipulations and control got more um um creative i guess <laughs> his ways of retaliating against me got more creative and um manipulations got worse because he was no longer able to physically intimidate me and that was harder to stand up to because literally everyone was like oh my god Ashley he's changed so much he he hasn't hit you and he doesn't cheat anymore and I'm like are you kidding me every single day of my life is living freaking hell and they're like why are you complaining he doesn't do the bad things anymore I'm like do you do you even realize like what I deal with? It, it was very hard because standing up to him also, I had to really realize that um, truly he hadn't changed. He just changed his approach for control. And it was hard for me to understand that, that it wasn't him changing. Like I thought, okay, and he quit beating me. He quit cheating on me. 
So maybe the next step is he'll stop emotionally abusing me and mentally abusing me and controlling me and manipulating me and um, those things. And that maybe, you know, in time, those things will also drop out like the other things did. No, wasn't that as he changed his approach because he knew his approach wasn't working. A narcissist will be very creative in how they control people. Um, some people aren't outwardly intimidating. Like that woman that I was speaking of earlier that was, um, you know, catfishing people with the idea of her having a baby and them adopting it into their life, creating this fantasy world around it. She was controlling them, but she wasn't the type of person that would be like, you will love me and you will respect me. Like she, she's not one of those types of people, personality type, um, to be able to demand control. Um, so she had to figure out more manipulative ways to get it because she was a narcissist and she needed it and craved it and lived off of it. And that's what they do is they live on control. It's always in their character. Um, always. This is the number one sign of a narcissist is the control factor. If someone doesn't have that, then they're not a narcissist. A hundred percent without a shadow of a doubt. Um, they, whatever it is, like, um, I saw an episode of Black Mirror and, um, it was the one that, um, it was, it was, it had a guy that looked like Matt Damon. I can't remember his name. I'm going to look it up really quick because, um, um, he looked just like Matt Damon and I was like, what? Is that really, is that him? And it wasn't, um, but let me see what is it called because I'm looking it up right now. Um, the USS Callister. I thought it was USS McAllister. USS Callister. This is the name of the episode. Um, and Jesse Plemons is the name of the actor. And there's like a side by side right now that I just looked up and it is insane. He just looks like a little bit older version of Matt Damon. Eyes are almost identical, just not the color, but like the um, facial structure, nose, hairline, everything like matches up. He just looks like an, a little bit older version of Matt Damon with contacts in. Like, it's crazy. Especially the mannerisms and the looks on his face. Anyway, so, back to the, uh, talking about that episode. He what he played a, um, like, a genius tech person that um, helped create this um, VR world. And um, at work, he was, like, very quiet and soft-spoken. He really didn't have um, much control in his in his daily life, um, other people kind of bullied him a little bit, like, he, he was the typical, like, geek in high school, like, people were a little bit tongue-in-cheek about joking about his awkwardness, I guess, and he didn't like that, and, um, and so in this VR world, he actually was able to, um, take, the DNA from each one of his, um, co-workers and put it into this, um, VR world where those literal clones inside this VR world, um, and spoiler alert, if you haven't seen this episode of Black Mirror, I, I don't want to ruin it for you, so just, like, skip past this, um, probably about, like, 
30 more seconds and um so you don't if you don't get the horrible plot twist because everything that I've already set up so far is kind of um apparent from kind of like the first five minutes of watching it but I don't want to give like the rest of it away but um basically he he has control in this world a complete amount of control and he's very um extremely narcissistic um his his boisterous flamboyant not flamboyant but um overly arrogant side shows in in this vr world and he's actually treating people terribly and it just goes to the extreme very extreme on what he's capable of in real life and what he wishes he could do to people to get that control but he found a way to get control is the point so um narcissists will find that somewhere in their life to get that control whether it's at work whether it's um catfishing people into a fantasy whether it's in an actual relationship um their victim is always secluded from the rest of the world it's almost like in this world of control this is the world they're in this is why i brought up that episode because in this world that he was in nobody would have never ever 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 guessed that he was this type of person um outside of his vr you know thing that he made no one would have ever thought he was capable of these things um and he kept it, it was completely separate it was completely separate it was totally different totally different person um in this world in the real world versus the vr world but in the vr world it's sad because the way that he was doing things these people were real people um just in a different dimension like he created this alternate dimension which is a vr world but it was actual reality just an alternate reality i guess so more ar than vr um and so um in a relationship with someone who is narcissistic they're going to try to seclude you from all the people around you and um, anybody who would look in and talk to you and say this isn't normal they're going to keep you away from um, your friends and your family and they'll have different reasons for it they'll say oh well this person doesn't like me so don't talk to them but it's really just their way of picking off all the people who um who bring the two worlds together they don't want that to ever happen and then they train you in such a way that you compartmentalize these two worlds as well in front of other people you guys are this perfect couple and when you're alone you're dealing with the narcissistic control factor and even in person you're um you're just portraying what they want you to do because you don't want when you're alone with them for them to say they do they still nitpick everything that you do and there's never any way to completely please them but for instance um whenever i would go to family events first of all i never wanted to go to family events ever 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 um sometimes the thought of me going to a family event without him though would outweigh the fact that he didn't want to go so he would go because um he wanted to still control me so um i would say like oh no i'll just go by myself and he in his mind i i was gonna cheat on him or 
find, you know, a family member to talk bad about him to and, or, um, you know, have a discussion on how he treats me and then be told that it's not normal. So he wanted to still control the situation I was in and make sure no one got to me and, and was able to, um, wake me up to the truth. And then also that I wasn't cheating on him because that was his constant fear that I was cheating on him and I never was. But, um, um, even when he quit cheating on me, he was always still, um, very controlling and possessive and thinking that I was, could, that I was cheating. Um, and that's because just, that's what he was capable of. And just because he wasn't doing it at the time didn't mean that he wasn't capable of it. Um, he'd done it for nine years compulsively and with, um, many, many partners, um, randomly sometimes. And, um... I'm very, very, very lucky that I didn't catch anything in the process, um, but um, I, I was like testing myself every time I found out, like, are you serious? And again, 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 another person? Really? It was a lot, but um, thank God I didn't, I didn't get anything bad out of that. Um, so the um, amount of, and the great need for control I would say is the absolute number one sign of a narcissist um, and then they're controlling the controlling that environment that they're in separate from the real world and the way everybody else views them and portrays them um, they have a lack of responsibility they don't like um, taking responsibility for anything not saying that they're not like there's no um, definitive way to explain that but typically like at a job if something you know was their fault they'll blame it on other people they deflect a lot um if they flipped out on somebody and you know just went said the most horrible things the reason would be oh well i didn't take my blood pressure medication so you have to accept that um that happened but it's not my fault it's because i didn't take my blood pressure medication so um and typically they blame the victim because it's the easiest target but if there have been i'm a pacifist and there have been times where literally the entire time i was being attacked all i said was i'm sorry that you feel that way but i love you i'm sorry that i feel that i'm sorry that you feel this way but i love you that's not very nice to say but i love you and the entire time I was being attacked for a solid, like, hour. Um, finally, he stopped. And then he literally couldn't say I did anything wrong. He couldn't say that saying I love you was wrong. So he had to um, figure out something to blame it on. So he said that um, it was because he was remembering a time in his life when something really bad happened. And he, and he literally deflected to that and then in turn after he tore me from one piece to the other like tore me apart was expecting me to now have sympathy for him and comfort him because he remembered this time from years ago when something really bad happened and it was traumatizing and now I'm supposed to just be like okay I'm supposed to forgive you because, and I always forgive, so yes, I forgive no matter what, um, and that's 
to do with my beliefs and that forgiveness is just something that um, comes very natural to me but doesn't mean that I'm okay with what you've done and that I excuse it um, excuses like that are just uncalled for you can't sit there and say that you just flipped out on someone um, because of something that you remembered from 10 years ago that happened to you and if so if that then you need counseling and um it's still not okay your behavior is not okay you can't blame it on that you have to understand that you have lack of self-control and you need to get help for it admit that you have help or that you need help and um and he he would never fully admit to being wrong ever it was like or if he did i guess like because here and there he would say like if something was brought up from a long time ago, because he wouldn't admit something recent that he did wrong, but, like, cheating obviously is wrong, and at the time he would be like, well, it's because you don't give it to me enough, or it's because you're so consumed with the children, or this is all these really crazy excuses that he was blaming me for cheating, for him cheating and lying and deceiving, and um, later in life, like, he he would be like well yes I cheated but I'm not perfect and um and that's just you know you have to accept that it happened a long time ago and I would never rub things in his face so don't think that um typically our arguments would be him bringing up things from the past and digging up really traumatic events and throwing them in my face and they would be things like um, that weren't even, they were exaggerated to not be true. I would be, um, he would be talking about a situation where somebody at work, uh, had a work lunch with someone and it could even be like a few people, but if a guy was present, then that was considered cheating. So he would be like, you cheated on me and did it. And he would just go on and on and on and on and be like, that's not fair for you to do right now because you actually did cheat on me really cheat in the real sense of um having relations with other women and i'm not bringing that up i mean i am i guess like oxymoronically yes i am but i'm trying to show you that like it's not okay to low blow me why are you doing this i have so much ammo on you and i'm not using it i don't do that how are you able to just pull things that aren't true magnify them and just completely blow me out of the water why and um he would be like oh i'm not perfect i cheated but that was years ago and and you know he would he would continuously um you know project onto me so blaming deflecting lack of responsibility um i can definitely say that he had a hard time holding a job for a long time he didn't like authority um he would always, um, bosses would always have problems with anything, a lot of things that he did, and he would be like, oh, that person's an idiot, they don't know anything, and he would have bad problems with people, um, the lack of boundaries, um, they throw temper tantrums like two-year-olds, they're insulted to be told no, they, um, if they don't get what they want, they go through great lengths to figure out how to get it 
if they have to pout, if they have to reject you, if they have to withdraw emotion from you, if they have to demand it from you, um, they're very persistent. They keep on and keep on and keep on until they get what they want. Um, that That's a huge sign of a narcissist. Um, and then the lack of empathy, that is the telltale sign as well. The control factor and the lack of empathy. Um, the fact that woman was able to completely pull these other families in and believe that they were going to have a baby child um into their lives and they were preparing they had made nurseries um for their new baby thought of names we're talking about not just that but also were very involved in this woman's life and hurt things going on with her because they thought they were building a relationship with her and and she didn't care one bit about the deception that she was causing and all the pain that she was causing and pulling people um in into this fake fantasy um my ex didn't care when he would put me down in in horrible um comments and things that he would say the low blows he didn't care he had no empathy whatsoever an example of that is when he was physically violent with me one of the times um i was bleeding and it got all over the carpet and he was flipping out about the blood on the carpet i'm bleeding and he's like oh my god you're so stupid you're getting blood all over the carpet why can't you stand on the linoleum you're so stupid and i'm like um do you hear yourself right now? Like you made me bleed and now you're mad because there's blood on the carpet. So, um, the lack of empathy is very, um, blatant in a narcissist. But as I said, it can be undercover. And so it's not something that, um, can be very, um, recognized really easily. And so you have to really like figure out motives and, um, in some people. Um, I'm going to hit through some of these other ones really fast because I only have like six and a half minutes left. Um, emotional reasoning. They don't think with actual logic. They don't. They're persistent and they're patient and then, then they groom their victims sometimes, like depends on what kind of um, narcissist. And they always have a victim. But um, they... they they use logic in a, in a different way. They don't use actual logic, but they, they try to, um, make it make sense through logic, but it's more of like, um, they're emotional, emotionally driven, which is funny because so are empaths mostly, not me but a lot of them are emotionally driven. Um, but it's on a different wavelength. Uh, empaths are emotionally driven based on other people's emotions. A narcissist is emotionally driven based on their own emotions. Oh, this person looked at me wrong? I'm going to punch him in the face. That's what I'm going to do because I feel offended. Um, this person rejected me? Oh, now I'm going to get back at them because no one rejects me. They they um, retaliate very easily based on their emotions. If they have any sense of hurt, um, that anyone's hurt them, then they want you to know how badly that you've hurt them. 
and it doesn't even matter if it was intentional. Like I said, there are times when I've offended people that wasn't intentional. And uh, if you offend a narcissist in an unintentional way, it still doesn't matter to them. They're going for blood. They're going for the jugular. And um, they can pretend to be empathetic. They'll say the things that make them sound like an empath. I understand. Um, they'll use words, you know, that um, an empath would use, which is why I think that they are able to hone in on people's um, emotions and understand what they're feeling like an empath does, but they don't feel those emotions. And not only do they not feel them, but they don't care. Um, they use them and manipulate them. Um, they get bored easy. They get depressed easy. Um, they have, they never have enough. My ex was always willing and dealing to get better, bigger and badder stuff, better car. And once he got a car that he loved, oh, it wasn't good enough. He needed a bigger engine. And, um, it, it was just constant, like nothing was ever good enough. It was always upgrade, 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 upgrade. Um, so yeah. And then, um, let's see. The splitting of personalities, and I want to say this because really quick, I would always say that um, my ex was two different people. One person that I hated so much that I, I, I would just wish didn't exist on the planet. And then the other one that I loved so much and I just wanted to be with 24-7. It was a fake. It was The good person was a fake. And it, it, it's not... One person, this person is a good person and a bad person. This person is a bad person pretending to be good. Once I realized that the good was a mask, that's when I started breaking it down and being like, oh my God, what did I get myself into? This person isn't going to change. They can't change. Um, it, it's not possible for them to change. Um, they, they just aren't able to see, feel, or remember um, the positive and the negative in in a situation, um, they can only deal with their perspective, only theirs, no one else's. Um, they have a fear and my ex's fear was being alone. Um, and so that's why, um, me leaving was, you know, a huge deal. Um, he immediately replaced me with someone else. Um, which is very common um, because they don't really care about the relationship. They care about the control that they had and they must dig their claws in somebody else quickly and get that um, feeling back. Um, they have a sense, sometimes they have anxiety, not all of them, um, but um, I would say they use it for manipulation as well. Um, my ex would constantly say, well, you can't go out because I have a bad feeling. And that, that was just a lie. It was a way of control. But, you know, then uh, shame. Typically, they have shame about something about themselves. Um, and it could be something all the way from their childhood. And um, that that shame um, also is part of their fear. They have a deep-seated fear. And those, you know, go hand in hand. A lot of, some of these aren't present in every narcissist, but I gave you the ones that are present in every narcissist. Um, the control and, um, they have to have a victim and the, um, the lack of empathy. Those are the top ones. Um, and the last two is 
the inability to be truly vulnerable the woman who was making up her fake story she wasn't truly being vulnerable she was fake vulnerable and sometimes they'll share with you true things about their lives that make them appear vulnerable but it's only to get you drawn in and um, manipulated and then the inability to communicate or work as part of a team because they don't have the understanding um, true understanding of other people's feelings and how the other person feels the lack of empathy um, it keeps them from being able to develop truly communicative um, relationships in which if they don't have the control it's not going to work everything has to benefit them and in a teamwork situation it has to be everybody has to be working together and that's not their mentality um thank you so much for listening and um i really appreciate um if you subscribed and have a wonderful day spread love light and positivity thanks bye okay and welcome back to my channel breadcrumbs thank you so much for listening um I always appreciate anybody who is supportive of me and um, I'm just really appreciative that you're even listening to this right now. Um, my goal is to spread love, light, and positivity through my podcast and uh, I, I am your host, Ashley, and let's get started. So um, we're going to talk about a little bit um, more of some of the signs of narcissism and they're not the... Um, the most um prevalent like these aren't the ones that that you would notice right off the bat but if somebody has all of these then there's a really good chance that they're a narcissist um the two that i want to um keep reiterating are the most important is the control factor they have to have a sense of control at all times and um and then the other one they have to have a victim um all the time and they're in a need for attention um they they need to feed that so let's begin i am on a um website psychologytoday.com and the um topic is 10 signs that you're in a relationship with a narcissist and I will have to say that my ex literally embodies every single one of these. Um, I'm going to go through them and kind of give a little bit more detail in my experiences with them. Um, but um, the first one is that they're a conversation hoarder. And oh my god, that is literally so true about my ex. I couldn't ever speak. I think that's why I talk so much, honestly, because 15 years of being with someone that every, you can't get a word in, you're like, but I, okay. And then they, if you say something, they have to like one up you because if you caught a fish, they caught a bigger fish and they, they always have to one up you. Um, not necessarily, again, I keep wanting to say this over and over and over, not necessarily if someone has one of these qualities doesn't mean that they're a narcissist you have to build a profile first and see if they meet all of these qualities and characteristics um and then you can discuss decide if they are or aren't you can't just use it on a one-time um interaction either however if there's a negative experience in your first interaction i i would probably most likely just um 
consider, you know, just not continuing or pursuing that because it's, in my experience, not ever going to get any better. Um, first bad experience on first impression isn't a good experience. Um, so, conversation hoarder, oh my gosh, yes. So, like, um... I think that they use the words but or actually a lot. Um, they feel like they know more than you. So they, you start talking about a topic and then you just keep on. Um, case in point, <laughs> my ex actually got into a relationship um, pretty recently. Um, then they also broke up recently, but it was like a four or five month relationship and that's typical of narcissists who get with people who are not empaths or um, because, basically because people have their limits and, and empaths go a lot longer before realizing that they should end the situation. Now this person wasn't an empath, so once he got to a certain point of um, crossing boundaries, she was like, yeah, no, this isn't going to work. Um, it's hilarious to me, though, how quickly or how easily he can sw flip the script on somebody else, though. And if you talk to anybody else that he talked about his relationship with, he, his, um, he would say that she was the narcissist. But I talked to her and everything that she said that he did, I know that he did because I was there when he did it in my relationship. So I know that he was doing it in their relationship. But he also flipped the script on me and said that I was a narcissist. And I know that I'm not because I don't have any of those. Um, <clears throat> I don't have any of those characteristics. Um, well, like, actually, I think the fact there's one that's like conversation interrupter that one's the next one we'll talk about but i think um i do that sometimes and not to put the focus back on me it's just i like to talk a lot but um i love hearing people and what they have to say and i have a genuine interest um in what people have to say but sometimes i think of something and i'm like if i don't get this out right now i'm gonna forget it so I just interrupt, but I'm like, let me say this really fast. Da, 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 da. Okay, go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> and it's such a bad thing, I know. I mean, I'm working on it, but it's so hard for me to, like, hold on to what I'm thinking until they're done because then my mind trails off and I forgot what I was going to say and I know it was important. And so if someone has that characteristic, it doesn't necessarily mean they're narcissist. doesn't even put them on the spectrum of narcissism. However, um, the motives for why a narcissist interrupts conversation, I'll go into that um, next. But going back to conversation hoarder, um, they definitely like all the attention being on them. And if you're sharing an experience of some kind, um, they typically like to either one-up you and say they've had a way more... Um, like a better experience or a worse experience depending on how they're comparing like you know um traumatic experiences or things like that like if you say like um one time I was you know roller skating and I crashed into a wall they'd be like oh yeah one time I was riding my bike and I went off the side of a mountain 
They just always try to run up you. Not run up you. One up you. What is wrong with my articulation today? Um, so they always try to one up you. Um, they can talk about anything and everything, and um, it always has to be about them, their per- perspective, point of view, and how they feel. Typically, they're main conversation topics are other people, what they don't like about other people, they're complaining about things, um, the, how someone else is not a good person, and, um, they like to tear people apart, and most of the conversations, uh, topics are about what they, um, point out as flaws in other people, um, gossipers, especially, they, they are gossipers, my ex would just, tear into every single person that was in his life father mother brother sister cousin aunt uncle my friends his friends his even his best friend which i didn't understand because i'm like this person loves you thick and thin and funny enough his best friend was an empath to put up with all of that um but um he would just tear them apart and i'm like why why are you saying bad things about the person that the one person who's there for you that literally would be there for you in any situation why would you talk bad about this person like i don't understand um so and then if even if you were talking about wallpaper they would literally just have the conversation about themselves like it just is always about them their experiences their perspective their life things that they've done um it's a constant battle like I was never able to get a word in with my ex and I love to talk as you can tell I just talk and talk and talk and talk and talk and I'm not a conversation hoarder I love having intelligent conversations back and forth with people um it, it just I talk a lot and it's hard you know being with someone who's a narcissist because um when you know you have one that is a conversation hoarder you don't ever really get to say how you feel. And then when you do, you have to be very careful on how you say it because it's an attack on them. Like, I would sometimes say, I feel like you don't want to hear what I have to say. And that would be an attack on him. And he would somehow turn that into, like, a horrible... Like, I just called him the worst thing in the world. And, and he would flip out and just go off the deep end over me just saying like I feel and I would use those terms like I feel um in my opinion in my perspective and I do that um as habit anyways as you'll be able to notice that is very prevalent in my podcast because I don't like offending people and I don't like um people getting the impression that I'm trying to force my opinion on other people and um my feelings are valid and my thoughts are valid my opinions are valid but it doesn't necessarily mean that they're right um, all the time, my opinions are my opinions, and someone else could have a completely different opinion, and it doesn't make either one of us right or wrong, um, so I always try to say that it's in my perspective, this is my personal perspective that, um, I'm coming from, so he always would just flip out and feel offended if I even had a perspective that was different than his, I always had to agree, I always had to um, and what I hated was when he was talking about other people, I would get drawn into that, and not because I really believe these things about other people, like his best friend, I thought his best friend was the coolest person in the world, and I, I couldn't believe that he was lucky enough to get a best friend that would be there for him through thick and thin, 
and um, just in, in the really hard times, and even the things that he said and done to the other person, he, he was still, like, his friend was there for him, and he wasn't a good friend to his friend either, so um, his best friend was, I thought, was a very honorable person, upstanding person, and when my ex would talk bad about him, um, I would, I would have to agree, because if I didn't, and I've I started out like never agreeing and it would just end up in more arguments and stuff but his justification for me saying please don't talk bad about that person was that I wanted to sleep with him or that I wanted a relationship with him or that I was seeing him behind his back and I'm like what just because I don't want you to trash talk your best friend and he so to keep from stirring the pot um, a lot of times I would just be like yeah that's crazy Mm, gosh, you know, and I shouldn't have, I feel bad for looking back on it and saying, like, I did feed into that, but it was survival, you know, and I'm out of it, and I don't have to do that anymore, but, um, the next one, I touched on it a little bit, is conversation interrupter, and as I've said, I'm a conversation interrupter, but I'm not a narcissist, and there are many conversation interrupters and doesn't mean that they're a narcissist. Um, so the conversation interrupter that's a narcissist has a different intention of interrupting conversation. Um, they have poor communication skills and interrupting others is common because they want to put the, um, the light back on themselves. And so I feel like I interrupted with him as well because it was always about him, always about him. And he would go on and on and on and on and on. And then I would, like, try to find a spot to talk in. And he'd be like, you're interrupting me. So he made it very, um, and he hated that. He would be like, you interrupted me. And I, sometimes I was, like, wrapping my head around it. Like, he interrupted me all the time. I could be like, he he would say something as simple as like, how was your day? And I would be like, oh, well, today was great. And he'd be like, yeah, well, today I did it. And I'm like, okay. And I would just let him go and go and go and go and go. And then finally I would feel like he's gotten everything off of his chest. And I would be like, well, today I, and he'd be like, you interrupted me. And I'm like, okay, well, let me just wait another hour for you to finish what you have to say. And so, um, I interrupted him, yes, but my intentions weren't to get the spotlight on myself necessarily. It was just to communicate and share my feelings. I feel like conversations are two ways. And when I'm in a conversation with somebody else, um, I do have the habit of interrupting, but for the motivation of just being able to say something really quick, get it out of the way, so that way I don't forget, because I just have a really bad forgetting problem um, about what I'm going to say. And it's not about putting it the spotlight back on me because I don't necessarily want the spotlight back on me, but I do want to express myself um, and what I have to say and that I think it's important, if I think it's important. Um, but the narcissist does it because they want the focus back on themselves and they don't have a genuine interest in what you have to say. Literally, when you're talking, if you get to talk, they are not thinking about what you're talking about. They're thinking about what they're going to say next 
and that usually leads to quickly being interrupted by them because they're like, you know, you, you, they don't even process anything that you have to say. Um, you could sit there and be like, today I hurt myself really bad. I busted my knee and it's terrible. Like it's swollen and I don't know what I'm going to do. And then their response would be, oh man, I hurt myself so bad the other day. I was walking and bumped into a wall and I don't even know like if, if I got a concussion or not. They didn't even for once say like, oh, I'm sorry you feel that way. Are you okay? They don't acknowledge your feelings or anything. They not only try to one-up you, um, interrupt you for what you're saying, but also put the spotlight back on them. They want comfort for what happened to them the other day when you're telling them that like right now you're in pain and you're hurting. They don't acknowledge that. Um, they're rule breakers. My ex has a record. And um, when I first met him, after about a month or two of meeting him, he's like, by the way, I have to tell you this, um, stole a bunch of money from my grandmother. And I did this and I did that. And I'm like, what? Like, they don't, they break rules, um, they, mm-hmm. any, even little rules, like, you tell them don't do something, they actually um, go out of the way, their way to do it because they don't like following authority. They don't like authority at all. Um, they like doing even the little things, like, um, cutting people in line. They don't have a sense of, like, consequence to things, um, a lot of the time most narcissists, not all, um, they, they are not consistent, um, stealing has been, um, something that uh, a lot of narcissists are capable of doing, um, just because they don't have, like, they don't care, they just take what they want, um, and they, they, um, they do things to get reactions out of people, I've noticed, like, the rule-breaking isn't just to rule-break, but it's also to get reactions out of people. Like, if you say, please, uh, don't do that. Well, that's the next one. We'll talk about that one next. But, like, um, like breaking rules to get a reaction out of authority is, you know, something that, you know, that they like to do. Um, they don't necessarily stay true to their word a lot of times when they, like, say they're going to call you at a certain time. Um, breaking appointments, um, disobeying traffic laws. Um, my ex would constantly do things like speed um, in the car um, to high high speeds. Um, pretend that he was like a race car driver, you know. Which, like again, you have to add all of these up to make a narcissist. It's not that this specific quality makes a narcissist. So please remember, evaluate, evaluate, evaluate. Don't just say, oh, this person likes to drive fast. They're a narcissist. Oh, my God, get out of my life. Just be careful when you're, um, when you're evaluating people. But I, I think that once you l- learn the whole scope, you can kind of tell, like, okay, yeah, I'm definitely dealing with a narcissist. Or this person just has a speeding problem and an interrupting problem. Like, you know, that that's also could be the case. Um um, some of them are very, like, with the rule-breaking, um, they may not necessarily have broken laws, but, um, they, they do things, like, in a work environment that they're not supposed to do, um, so it's, um, 
they just don't have a sense of um, answering for answering to rules or answering to authority. Um, the next one is boundary violator. This one I'm going to say is very 100% in every narcissist. Um, they don't have, they have a disregard for other people's thoughts, feelings, possessions, and physical space. They overstep their boundaries and they um, have no consideration of other people's feelings when doing this. Um, like they borrow things or money without returning them. They break promises um, and obligations repeatedly. Uh, they show no remorse or very little, if any. And they blame the victim for their lack of their lack of respect. They blame the victim, and you're like, how? If uh, a narcissist borrows money from you, you're probably not going to get that money back. And then when you ask for it back, they turn on you and be like, how could you ask me at a time like this? Why are you asking me for money? It's almost like they flip the script on you. Like, that's what they do. They flip the script a lot. And they know how to do it. If you're an empath, you fall into it and you're like, oh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> I didn't realize, you know, but... Other people are like, uh, dude, you owe me money. You're going to pay me. So, <laughs> so, um, I mean, and not, not necessarily everybody else would do that, but I'm just saying that typically an empath would just let it slide. Um, they do things like if you tell them that you don't like a certain thing, they will violate that boundary. Um, for instance, I don't like things being put in my face, right up in my face. So I don't like people in my face, but more or less, I don't like things being put in my face. If somebody's like, here, smell this. And they just like put it in my face. I don't like it. Um, if someone's like, here, taste this. And they just put it in my face. I don't like it. So I let that be known to my friends. And they're very, like, most of my friends are pretty cool about it. They're like, hey, do you want to smell this? And they keep it, you know, over there. And then like okay, yeah, I'll smell that, and then I smell it, and it's fine, but just putting something in my face, I don't like that, um, and my ex would do that to get a reaction out of me, and I would, and I have very, um, long fuse, so I, literally, he's putting stuff in my face, and my blood is boiling, but I'm calm, and I'm relaxed as much as possible, and I'm saying, please get that out of my face, and he would keep doing it and laughing. And I would say, please get that out of my face. And we keep doing it and laughing. And I, would, and I would get to a point after saying it about six or seven times, I would just go from zero to 60 and start yelling and being like, get that out of my face. And, <laughs> and he, his reaction would be like, what just happened? Why are you yelling at me? You just flipped out over nothing. And I'm like, but I told you over and over and over and over so nicely. I even said, please, I don't understand why you have a problem with violating my boundaries. Why? And it would be turned around on me and he would deflect back to me and say that I flipped out on him for no reason. And I'm the one attacking him when in reality he was 
attacking me from the beginning by violating my boundaries had no respect for boundaries they have no respect for boundaries and um like i said how to catch a narcissist is give them a fake boundary and they will cross it and you will know and you won't be offended you'll be like oh well that's kind of funny like i'll use one that's um quite hilarious actually say that you are um allergic to lemons watch them find a way to incorporate lemons somehow like oh i just went to the store and picked up some lemons here you want some like literally like literally that's what they do they find ways to get reactions out of you and they violate your boundaries with no sense of consequence whatsoever and they don't care about your feelings they don't respect your feelings um I think that is the biggest one that bothered me so much and then um saying I forgot like I would um say that I forgot is a common um phrase with them because you could say like I don't like things being put in my face and they'd be like oh I'm sorry I forgot but you didn't have to flip out on me you should have reminded me. You should have told me that you didn't like that. And I'm like, um, I told you like seven times. Get that out of my face. What is wrong with you? Like, what is wrong with you in your head? But uh, the next one is false image projection. They love making themselves out to be something that they're not and they put a false image out there that is like a fantasy world. They, um, they exhibit themselves to be like, um, grandiose in, in a lot of ways. Like they say that they've done, um, certain things, um, that they haven't. Um, this is where a lot of lying comes in. My ex, when I first met him, I kind of knew that he was a compulsive liar after a few months of being with him, but I thought that that was, you know, I looked past that. Um, but he said that he did a lot of things in life that he didn't do. And I was like, you know, kind of realizing, um, especially professionally, like after, um, 15 years being with him, I've been with him for 15 years, so I know that he didn't accomplish certain things and he'll tell other people oh I have a certification in this and I have 44 certifications in this and he just like goes on this whole thing of all these things that he doesn't have but in his own mind like he has reached that level and he has done those things and has those accomplishments to brag about but they're not real um it's a trophy complex and um and it doesn't just you know can't it can manifest in other ways they can um especially some that are like uh really in relationships uh, for instance they are going to say that they are like the best um in bed or that they are um the the best romantically or that they're the most fit person or um they even can do it socially and say that they have a lot of followers and um, they have like 3,000 followers when really they don't even have an Instagram account at all. And um, 
Um, and then, or they could have an account by like five people that they know and then, you know, just sit there and say like that they're this big celebrity online or something. Um, religiously is another one. They can sit there and just um, portray themselves to be like um, a lot more religious than they really are. And that's a common one, actually. My ex is um, uh, pastor in training. And um, he's used God and religion a lot to control and um, appears and has appeared to other people as being this really God-fearing man. And he says he'll tell people he really reads his Bible every day and he has these Bible studies and, and all these things that I've never seen him do. And um, he, you know, makes this fake facade of all these accomplishments that he's made with God, and, um, and it's not true, at least I don't think it is, because I've never seen him really actually truly spend time with God, um, and, you know, that's between him and God, and so whatever, but you know, financially they'll say that they have a lot more than they do, they'll find ways to project this um, fake self um, and accomplishments. Um, materialistically they'll be like look I can I have all these things I have Armani I remember um, a, a friend of ours had given him a Armani code um, what was it it was um, a fragrance Armani code black I think or Armani code Armani black something like that. It was Armani. And it was a um, cologne, a men's cologne. And it was given to him by someone who distributes them. So they didn't even have like a whole lot of money themselves or anything. They had access to this cologne and a lot of it and had given it to him. And he wore it and not only wore it but bragged that it was Armani and that he only wears Armani and it, like that's the only thing that he'll spend money on when he didn't even buy it in the first place it was given to him so it it's just they pretend to be this like grandstanding amazing exaggerated person that really in their own self um mm -hmm. deep down inside they're insecure about all of these things and they're actually not that person in the first place um and there's like so many things that they are insecure about that they're projecting all these fake things that aren't even real it's like watching um them project a movie you know like a projector um onto a wall they're projecting all these things yet they're the ones standing behind the projector controlling what goes on what everybody sees but if everybody really talked to the person like the real person and figured out what you know they with them being able to tell the truth obviously um about the truth about their life it wouldn't be all these grandiose things and um and i wouldn't necessarily say their life is boring but they um they kind of consider themselves as boring or their life is boring um, because they have to make up all these things that aren't true. Um, the underlying message of having all of these things, the trophy complex, um, exhibited, um, like I said, either physically, romantically, sexually, socially, religiously, financially, materially, 
um, materialistically, yes, um, professionally, academically, culturally, um, they use this, um, they use people and objects and status and the um, supposed accomplishments, even if some of these accomplishments could be true, but they um, are magnifying them. Because my ex was really good with cars. He was really, really good with cars. He was an automotive technician and amazing with cars. Um, I don't ever take that away from him because he's, he was a genius when it came to um, fixing cars and, and figuring out what was wrong with them. And um, he, he was really good at it. Um, something that he was very, very mechanically inclined. Yet he would brag about it all the time and say that I know more than people double my age, triple my age, and I've been in it for 30 years, and I have all these accomplishments, and I'm the person that everybody goes to for advice, and I am the person that um, has 44 different qualifications. I could work at any place that I want, and it was just like a constant... Um, mm-hmm was constantly going on and on and on about all these accomplishments Mm -hmm. and some of them were true but some of them were also like made up and stuff um so the reason why is um they have this false image projection is they're trying to say like look how special i am i'm worthy of everyone's love admiration and acceptance i'm better than you i'm better than everyone look at all these amazing things that i've done so you should love me and um and these you know this false identity that they're portraying it's sad because People may be accepting all those things, but they're not accepting the true them, just like it's like catfishing, you know. People are putting themselves out there one way, but and they're being accepted, but they're not being accepted for who they truly are. So it's like you're going to feel empty still because you're not truly being accepted. No one's really saying you look beautiful. They're saying the picture that you put online looks beautiful. And, and that's really... Um, what I don't understand about it is how does it feed that need for acceptance when you're not truly being accepted so I guess that's part of it that's why they constantly need it and it's a superficial counterfeit even um, like counterfeit money it's a counterfeit um, sense of truth and so I guess because it's not real they have to have more and more and more of it because nothing will ever satisfy that hunger this is in truth deep down it's not ever being satisfied um a sense of entitlement they always feel like they're entitled to um preferential treatment from other people they expect people to cater to them to their needs um they're not considerate about other people's needs and the world basically revolves around them um they're charmers they're charismatic and persuasive um i guess they are um, they're good at reading people, um, and they can tell you what you want to hear, so, um, they will make you feel special and wanted, and they will say things that make you feel like, wow, this person's really listening to me, this person's validated my emotions, and it's all fake, it's all a facade, until they get your, their hooks in you, once they get their hooks in you, um, it's, it's just a game of manipulating your feelings. Um, they really don't care about your feelings. Um, and once they've gotten what they want, 
or if they become bored, they'll just drop you without even like thinking about it, like at the drop of a hat. Um, typically, if what they want out of you is control, they'll keep you, but they're not going to validate your feelings unless it benefits them. So the only times that um, I feel like at the time I felt like my ex was paying attention to my my feelings or anything is when I'd leave and then and he would beg me back and be like I'm so sorry I'll be so considerate I know that you like this and I know that you don't like that and I'm, I'm gonna be more considerate of your feelings and I'm gonna try harder and for like a couple days you know it would it would be that way but then once like I let down my walls and I was like okay you really are changing it would just go right back to where it was so it was never a true genuine um you know, interest in the things that I cared about, it was more or less, I need this control back, and this is the only way to get it, is to make them, make her think that, um, I'm interested in the things that she's interested in, and I care about the things that she cares about, but they, they actually don't, um, when I say that they're charmers, though, they can charm the pants off of anybody, like, I, my ex has so many people that, um, that aren't even in my family that are fooled and uh it's kind of sad but you know I was fooled when I was with him so I, I don't have room to talk but um he has them fooled into thinking that he is this really kind generous soul that is selfless and um, loves other people and um the signs have he's shown those the signs of narcissism but they overlook them because they want to believe you know, that he is this good person, and, um, they overlook the, the other things, because they're really good at, um, sleight of hand, and I think of it like a magician, you know, they're doing this over here, but they're having you look at all the shiny props, and, um, you know, they're having you look over there when they're, you know, doing their little magic trick, that's a lot how a, um, narcissist plays their game they have you distracted or they have you um looking at something else when they're manipulating you um a lot of times they'll project onto someone else while they're manipulating you and um like my family members they they rallied all those family members against me because little by little he planted seeds in their heads that I was one type of person that I was this type of person that was secretly abusive and secretly a mean person and um the opposite was with me I never planted those seeds with my family because I wanted them to see the best in him and um and I was with him so I I wasn't going to try to make him out to be a bad person you know so I would hide the bad things. Well, he would do the opposite. He would magnify the bad things with me and sell the lie with a little bit of truth. If I did something, he would magnify it and bring it to their attention. And then that's their impression of me was that bad thing. And then um, he would even like keep continuing to feed that um, idea of me being a bad person and a narcissist and all the things that he actually was, um, even to the point where they actually all thought that I was also cheating too and I wasn't and I wasn't even doing anything that could be considered uh, cheating but it was that he would put these ideas in people's heads where they were like over and over and over and over and over being told these little things that you know he would um 
plant in their head and then after time they're just like well gosh Ashley is a cheater you know so um they're they're really good at also being patient with the people they're charming and taking the time to not outwardly just say Ashley is a cheater but saying like oh I don't know it's weird she's texting some guy and um, I'm just not gonna worry about it you know and then and really behind closed doors he's threatening me and breaking my phone and asking me why I'm texting this other guy and what they fail to do is tell the whole story because this other guy would be like my boss or something and I'm saying that um you know I am calling out or or some for some reason I needed to speak to my boss and you know I'm texting my boss and literally in he's not sharing that part of the story with them he's saying she's texting some guy I just picked up her phone and I didn't I wasn't even trying to look in her phone which is a lie because he like had the lockdown on my phone like he knew every single thing that I did and every every single thing and the control always there was always control um but he would make the story out to make it look like I was some kind of a cheater and it was very believable over time because he would keep planting the seeds so um all these people think like he's a great person and he's really not but I think they're starting to get it because of the relationship that he most recently had um the girl that left was like he has all of these things going on and this is how he is and this is what he says and this is what he does and then the people who were who I eventually told them like this is the deal this is how he really is they never believed me but now that someone else is saying it they're like oh well, maybe this is true um he can only call everybody else crazy for so long before eventually people realize that he has he has the problem um he called me crazy and he called his most recent ex crazy and a narcissist he called me crazy and a narcissist so the next person he gets with eventually the family members and the people that are siding with him are going to realize you know it has to be him because that's the common denominator um so that's you know that's the case um they have a grandiose personality um not always so this is the grandiose narcissist this is very prevalent in a grandiose narcissist they're very um they have an exaggerated sense of importance and they um they like power trips if if they're in a job where they have any kind of authority they they abuse that authority um they like thinking of themselves as like the hero in every situation or a special person um that is one of a kind and that um no one else could ever be like and that that they're even like better than everybody else in some way that they look down on everybody else because no one will ever re reach their level um they kind, kind of make it sound like they're always needed in every situation like if i wasn't there this person would have died um they constantly reaffirm I mean, obviously people have stories where that has happened but um like it's more of like um they they make themselves appear as if 
if they weren't there in every situation in life, if they weren't there at their job, their job would fall apart. Like their whole company would fall apart without them. That's what my ex would always say. If I left, they, they would fall apart. They would never, they would never recover. Um, they have like this false sense of, um, being, you know, godlike almost, and that people can't live or survive without them or without their magnificent contributions. And uh, that's just simply not the case. World goes round. If I died, I mean, it would suck for, you know, the people like my children and stuff. I, and I know that it would affect them and on a deep level. So, you know, your mom dies. It's, it's sad and very hard to deal with. But I wouldn't think that people wouldn't be able to live on and be able like, oh, my God, Ashley died. The world has to stop. We can't keep living because she's gone. Like, I don't understand that mentality, and that's a narcissist mentality. Um, they're always negative. Negative emotions is the constant battle that you have with them because they're um, always, you just always feel this, like, sad, like, not just sad, but anger, like, um, these negative emotions that are always there. They throw temper tantrums. They're always upset. Um, if they feel like for a second that you've offended them by not texting them back or that you're not attentive enough to their needs, they, they feel offended quite easily. And these negative emotions, you can kind of just sense a negative vibe all the time with them. Um, they're sensitive to criticism and they respond with heated arguments pretty much right off the bat. I mean, you could say, look, I feel like I'm being neglected and they will just slip into this um fight that you didn't even try to start you're just like no no no. I was just trying to tell you how I feel that's it I, I didn't want to be attacked please don't start bringing up all my flaws because I just wanted to say that can you spend more time with me or you know is there any way that you can um you know even if you are being attacked and you're just telling them please don't call me names I don't like it when you call me names and and I would appreciate it if you didn't do that then they would turn around on you. And, like, one of the things that my ex would say would be, like, oh, are you better than me? Are you holier than thou? He would say that a lot. Are you holier than thou where you don't ever make, uh, you never call people names? You never say anything bad about people? And I'm like, well, I really don't. But I'm not trying to make myself look better than you. I'm just asking you, can you please just refrain from calling me names right now? Can you please not fling around all these derogatory terms and all I'm trying to do is just sit here and watch a TV show or disagree with you on a subject that I personally disagree with you on and I'm not going to change my mind. That's one of the things that he thought that he could always do is change my mind with low blows and I'm like, yeah, just because you called me all those names doesn't mean that I agree with you on that subject. So all you did really was push me away. Um, they are quick to judge, criticize, ridicule, blame, um, they, they are emotionally abusive, um, they make you feel inferior, they boost their ego by making you feel inferior, and that's how they feel better about themselves, they, there's a saying by, uh, Paramansa Yogananda, and it says, some people try to be tall by cutting off the heads of others, and that is, definitely my ex in a nutshell um at least in the person in the 
personal relationship that I had with him. Um, manipulation is another one. And using others as an extension of self. Um, making decisions for others to suit one needs. Their own needs. And um, they will use other people as pawns. Their own children even. Um, they, Some of them live their their childhood or their own wants or needs through their children or through their spouse or through their relationship um for instance like they they my ex would throw around the word disown a lot if my child doesn't do this and is this type of person i'm gonna disown him and um personally and i know that my children listen to my um, podcast, so I'm not going to say anything that, um, that implicates any one of them on, on a certain situation, because it, it's a private situation, but one of my children, I'm not going to say which one, but one of my children, um, has a, um, a certain quality about them that my ex does not like, and I'm a very open-minded person, and I love everybody, and there's nothing that my children can do to not deserve my love, but he, if my child exercises this form of self-expression in any way, um, he gets angry and is like, no, you're not my son. Oh, I said it was a boy, I shouldn't have, but, okay, so you know it's one of my boys, but, um, it's, I just don't want my child being like, Mom! <laughs> but, um, I'm trying to be as vague as possible because I don't want to implicate my child on this matter. But but with me, my child is able to open up and be open about this situation and this type of um, personality trait and characteristic of themselves. And I'm like, cool, be you be you you're not hurting anybody you're being you there's nothing wrong with that and um to him this my child has to be a certain way or he's you know he's not his and um it they I will say one thing that my ex never did was call me ugly well he did one time and I remember that one instance because um, it was the one time he never called me ugly other than that, but he would, he would put down other qualities about myself. Um, he would call me stupid, retarded. Um, he would say like, I'm a cheater. I'm, um, I'm a whore. Like just all, a lot of things he would put me down about. But the one thing that he never did was, um, he never put me physically down except for one time he said, nobody's gonna love you because you're a mother and you can't go back your body can't go back to being pre-mother like you can't undo that and no one's ever gonna be attracted to you again which is a really weird thing to say and he said it in very derogatory terms but I just try not to use curse words and things like that on you know in my daily life so trying to summarize it and the gist of it basically you get um so, I find it weird that he never, um, really put me down and said it was ugly. But then again, like, 
I feel like I would have left him a lot sooner because that was uh, something that um, that was one of the things that he always made me like he would always tell me that I'm pretty and that I'm beautiful and stuff but it would always be out of manipulation to get something but those wouldn't those things wouldn't have worked in his specific manipulations because then I would have been like oh yeah uh, I'm beautiful okay well you just told me literally 10 seconds ago that I wasn't you know so I think that that was a part of his manipulation um to this mm-hmm. day he still says that like to to me but I, I just it's superficial and I don't care um they try to manipulate through guilt and that's the biggest thing they don't ever feel guilt themselves they don't feel guilt at all <laughs> at all um they they always use the things that you they've done for you like I've given you so much and you're so ungrateful and they portrayed being the victim um if you don't help them, you're not a good person. They hijack your emotions and beguile you to make unreasonable sacrifices. The, I mean, that, that's it's unbelievable the, the ability that they are that they have to manipulate. Um, there is a um, book called How to Successfully Handle Narcissists, and um, that is on the. I think you can click on it on the website that um, I gave you on psychologytoday.com. And that will um, give you like an idea on how to deal with one and keep your composure, um, ways to be to respond instead of react, um, and then seven powerful strategies to handle them and um, ways to say no to them. Um, Sometimes you can't help the fact that you're going to be around a narcissist. Maybe you work with one. You can't cut them out of your life because you work with them. You can't fire them because you're not over them. So what do you got to do? You got to deal with it. And you got to figure out how to successfully handle them. And uh, this book is a pretty great um, way to look at, you know, how to deal with that situation. Um, I would say that... Um, another one that's not on here is that they hold grudges very long and then they want you to basically, um, they want you to apologize over and over and over and over and over and do more and more to prove that you're actually sorry. And I'm sorry is never good enough. Like they want blood. They want something from you that, that they can hold, you know, and then, also, um, they never let it go. Even if they've said that they've forgiven you, my ex would bring up things from years ago all the time. Like one thing that I want to say, like one thing that I did when I first met him, I was scared to death. I was so young. I was, um, 18 years old when we met because he was 17 turning 18 and I was 18 and, um, he, and yeah, he was younger than me. Can you believe that? Um, but he and I I don't know like I had I fell in love with him I don't know how or why but somehow he got his hooks in me and I fell in love with him probably because he portrayed himself to be this amazing person I mean like he spent the night in my car because the roads were icy and 
uh, he was afraid for me to drive on the icy roads, so he slept in my car, so that way, because at that time I was living with my grandmother, and she wasn't going to let a guy, like, spend the night, so, um, he slept in my car, so that way the next day when I went to work, he could drive me to work on the icy roads, and I wouldn't die. Look at that. To me, that was like, wow, that's a huge sacrifice that you're making and things like that. And he was also there for me during my grandmother's death, which um, was really hard, really hard for me to deal with. But um, so I, you know, got I got hooked pretty good on that one. And um, I stayed with him for 15 years because of that. Um, but. I should have, I could have recognized the signs if I had studied, like, what a narcissist is and everything, um, but I didn't. Um, so, really quick, because I didn't have enough time, um, in that segment to, um, finish my train of thought of what I was saying, because I went off on a tangent again. Um, so... I should just name, instead of breadcrumbs, I should be called Off on a Tangent. That should be the name of my podcast. Um, but, um, the uh, initial, you know, meeting my ex, I should have paid more attention to all of the um, warning signs, because they were there. Um, but you're not watching the magician when they're performing. You're watching the spectacular act and they use sleight of hand and they um use illusions to make you think things that aren't true so um that's really what a narcissist is is a really great illusionist um so um as i said that you know when i first met him i fell in love very hard very deeply and i um i was scared of that it was the first time I had ever had these types of feelings and they were on a very um, magnified level and I didn't know how to cope and I didn't know how to deal with that so I broke up with him. And um, I, he was living with me, I broke up with him, took him to where he was living prior to living with me which was his brother's house, dropped him off there and his um, his recollection of the memory is that I abandoned him and uh, just left him, tossed him to the side of the road like he was nothing, and that wasn't the case. And um, and I still, um, I still kind of you know feel bad for having broken up with him at that point because I he hadn't really done anything for me to break up with him. He was actually really kind to me um, for the first few months and. Um, unless I was smart enough to pay attention to those really, really subtle warning signs that you don't really um, notice until later, the bigger signs, um, I would have never known that he was a narcissist. If I would have never gone back, I would have always just thought he was a kind person that I broke up with. And, um, and we ended up getting back together like just a few days later, but he um, attributes his entire uh, 15 years of abuse to me saying that that was the reason that because I rejected him and I did that to him and I dropped him off on his brother's doorstep and abandoned him um and tossed him aside like a piece of garbage his exact words 
then um, I deserved to be treated the way that I got treated. And um, for a little while I accepted that as truth and then I realized, no, it's not. People break up all the time. And uh, I don't deserve to be treated like crap for 15 years because you were upset that you got rejected because rejection happens all over the world all the time and um, it's how you deal with it that's important but he um, <laughs> he literally brought that up almost every single argument and then it's funny because he was in a relationship recently that I described um, and he um, was like telling me that be, I was the reason that his relationship failed because what I did 17 years ago, breaking up with him three months after we were together. And for, you know, for a long time, I would continuously apologize and be like, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. If only I'd have known. But you know what? No. I mean, I am sorry, you know, but I don't need to continuously apologize for his behavior. He is a grown-up and he knows how he should treat people. So if he's blaming his behaviors on 17 years ago, there's a problem. Another narcissist person in my family, um, or that I know, that now you know is in my family, but I, it's okay, I won't say who. Um, but I'm related to this person and um, that person has kind of a rough life and um, bad things are always happening constantly but it's because this person keeps putting themselves in dangerous situations and around dangerous people and it's a constant drama it's always drama and um, it's funny because this person blames the person that they were with 19 years ago and says if this person would have never done this and I'm like really that's 19 years ago you couldn't have like built up from then I don't understand and so um I recognize that person to also be a narcissist as well having all those characteristics but um not the grandiose one uh, type of narcissist but definitely a very self-centered um, person and some some craziness, just craziness that you wouldn't believe happens um, in my life because of this person. And this is the person that I, I only take in small doses now because I can't handle um, <laughs> long periods of time, extended periods of time around this person because of their behavior and drama that brings into my life. Um, so that that was just i just wanted to share that story with you about um guilt because it, he constantly tried to guilt me into believing that you know his behavior was my fault the way i was getting treated was my fault he would never feel guilt for anything he's done and um he pointed blame all the time for everything um anything and everything was everybody else's fault but his and um, typically in a job situation, it doesn't um, pan out very well when someone doesn't accept responsibility for their own actions. So either they're in a position of power where they can continuously abuse those below them 
um, which I ended up in that kind of a job, unfortunately, under somebody like that. Um, it's crazy. Like, empaths literally attract narcissists from everywhere, in every direction. Um, but that happened, and um, the, the person wouldn't ever, ever be at fault for anything. And it was always anybody underneath that person um, that they were the ones at fault, not them. And um, they blame everybody else for their bad behavior and um, or anything. Like, they'll grasp onto anything. Oh, I didn't take my blood pressure medication today, so that's why I flipped out on you and punched you in the head. Like, what? No, you cannot blame things on stuff like that. Like, or um, I had a bad day, and that's why. And with an empath, we tend to, um, you know, justify the behavior because of the action, or justify the actions and the behavior because of the reasoning that they give us. Like, oh, I had a bad day, and then we empathize and we're like, oh, they had a bad day. But um, there's, you know one thing having a bad day and just being like oh this is you're just being so annoying leave me alone that's one thing you know but then being like i hate you you're a w-h-o-r-e like i you make me sick get out move i don't want you in my life these types of things because you had a bad day are not okay hitting is not okay under any circumstances um if you're being hit you need to get out because there's no reason for it. There's no way to justify it ever. And if they say, oh, well, you're putting yourself in a man's shoes. No, no. That's what my ex would say when he was physically abusive. If I criticized him in any way or said anything that contradicted anything he said or just rubbed him the wrong way, he would say, oh, oh, you're going to put yourself in a man's shoes now? You're going to put yourself in a man's shoes just because I was standing up to him? And I'm like, I never put my hands on you. How are you saying that I'm putting myself in a man's shoes? Are you saying that you're gonna hit me because I'm putting myself in a man's shoes? And I didn't even, that's not even what I was doing. I'm a pacifist. I don't like violence. I'm, I hate violence on every level. I hate it. Um, I used to spank my kids and I'm not totally against spanking, um, but even that was just like, I don't like doing it. It's I don't like any kind of physical, like any, I don't like it. Maybe because I was abused, but um, I, I just, I'm a pacifist and I don't agree with it. Um, I'm sure like, you know, situations of defending yourself, that's one thing, I get it. Um, personally, I, I personally, unless I thought I was going to die, wouldn't fight back, I would just, take it and um realize that this person should never be in my life again um i just don't like inflicting violence on people it's it's just not me um but if you have to defend yourself defend yourself you know that's that's you and what you want to do i just can't bring myself to physically hurt somebody i don't, I don't know i'm weird but um the the guilt thing with a narcissist is they don't feel guilt for anything they've done 
and the example that I shared before about um, I was bleeding and it was all over the it was getting on the carpet and he was more mad that um, my blood was on the carpet um, basically I think because we did have friends over and people over and now he's thinking like oh my god now people are gonna see blood on the carpet and wonder what happened and stuff um, and I had like I had to scrub it up or get rid of the carpet that was the ultimatum but um, it it was you know the carp the kind of carpet that was on the that covered the entire apartment so I would have had to have replaced the entire thing didn't have the money for that so I had to scrub it up that was my only option really was scrubbing it up which I got it out but the whole thing was he felt no remorse for making me bleed he felt no guilt for that and um in they will appear to have guilt they'll say oh i'm so sorry i'm so sorry but their reasoning when they say why will always have an excuse i was having a bad day and i just went off on you and i'm sorry um and they're only saying i'm sorry because they don't want to lose that control because that's something big enough for you to leave over and they don't want that to happen and they don't want to lose that control so what do they do they apologize only because um they don't want you to leave and um in their apologies if you just really look at their apologies they're not true apologies um one thing i challenged my ex with one time was like i will sit here and name all of my faults and and i will tell you a list of faults that i have and I challenge you to name one of yours. You wouldn't do it. And as I was naming my faults, he was getting so happy. He was like, yes, you do talk too much. Yes, you are a this and you are that. And that is true. Oh, yeah. Oh, tell me about it. I don't even know how I put up with that. I was like, okay, now I'm done with my list. I have many more, I'm sure. But those are the ones that come to mind. I named about 20. And um, I said, now your turn. You just name a few things name one thing that is a flaw and he's like i'm not gonna do that i'm not gonna do that i don't i don't think there's anything wrong with me i'm like are you saying you're perfect no i'm not perfect nobody's perfect i'm like okay then name one flaw he's like why so you have ammo on me why so you attack me i'm like no i named all mine you have plenty of ammo which you've used as i was giving you ammo now just one just one and he's like i'm not gonna do that that's ridiculous and i'm like okay if you cannot admit you have a flaw one just one then there's a problem because i can go on and on and on and on and on and on and on about all my flaws if you can't admit that you are wrong in any way and you, you're not perfect, so what, what no one is, what is the problem? Problem is you're a narcissist and you're never going to admit to being wrong, never going to admit to fault, never going to admit to anything, and you're never going to feel guilty for any of that. Um, that's why narcissists are most likely um, um, people who break the law because they don't feel any guilt for anything they do. They want what they want and they get what they want. Not necessarily every narcissist has broken the law, but typically the ones who break the law a lot of them 
Um, there's more people who break the law that are narcissists than people who don't. So if you want to look at that, you know, statistic or whatever. But I've had... I've had um, enough time... I've taken enough time from you today. And... Um, and I keep getting messages that I need to go to pick somebody up. So I'm going to do that. But... Um, Thank you so much for taking the time to listen and let me share this with you. And I hope that it's contributed to your life in some way, shape, or form. Um, I really appreciate you as a listener. I keep saying I can never appreciate you enough for taking the time to listen to me and getting my message out there. And I appreciate it. I really, really do. Um, so... Stay tuned for my next episode. Um, I don't know yet what I'm going to talk about, but I will let you know when I do. Um, don't forget to spread love, light, and positivity everywhere you go. And um, just remember that the most important thing I think you should remember is that um, positivity you can carry it with you and you you can carry that positive energy with you everywhere you go and that will make any negative situation into a positive situation because you have a well of positivity living inside of you so that i wanted to share with you um so till next time bye